The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. Take another moment if you need to to say hi and maybe share that, that mom and pop business experience you had and then feel free to grab a seat. While you're finding a seat, I'll, I'll share one of mine. Uh, it happened when I was in high school. I was with a Oh, the church I got involved with, uh, that is where I came to faith in Christ, uh, I was part of a youth choir thing that would tour around during our school breaks. We went to Nova Scotia, which does, isn't as far as it sounds when you live in northern Maine, so it wasn't a real long haul. Went, rode the ferry over to Nova Scotia, and, and after we were done in the, uh, in, the, in the church that we were you know, singing, doing a little concert thing in, what they'd do is they would place you with different families in the church, so, you know, couple of us guys went to this, uh, this one guy's place. He's an older guy, and he had a shipbuilding, you know, a boat building shop. So he showed us that. So he, he actually made boats by hand, not tiny ones, big ones. And he also did uh, handmade banjos. And it was just really cool to see the craftsmanship, and, you know, and it was, it was his means of living, and, and it's just kind of a cool thing. So that one's always stuck out as just one of those cool little... You don't get those experiences when you go to, I don't know, a, a big box retailer for your boats and banjos, and they're in aisle 7 and 12, you know? So um, anyway, so if, uh, if you're here for the first time or haven't been around for a few weeks and have forgotten, uh, my name is Jason, uh, but for those who are new, I'm one of the pastors here along with Mike, who was, I think, dressed as a, uh, as a graduate, uh, the band and their Halloween-ish stuff, and, uh, and Scott, one of the other pastors who's taken a, uh, a break today, uh, but we are finishing up a series we started three Sundays back called Neighborhood Matters. Actually, we started four Sundays back uh, called Neighborhood Matters. It began with serving our neighborhoods. So instead of having a regular worship gathering, we went out and served. And then what we've been doing is looking at these kingdom of God intersections between what Scripture calls us to in regards to neighborhoods and what the neighbors around us might be showing us, how God might already be at work or have lessons to, to bring our way that, again, intersect with Scripture. So it's a place for us to respond and do something. And so two Sundays back, as, uh, as I, I got the chance to kick it off, we looked at what the Scriptures say about diversity and the fact that Swilburg here on our doorstep is one of the most diverse neighborhoods. Come to find out it's just not a, you know, a seminar you take at work or something you sign off on to, so you don't feel bad about yourself. That Scripture says really powerful things about how we're to do life together across differences. And that as a church, and people as part of this church, we have some great opportunities to both learn from and be part of what God is already doing. Then last week, Pastor Scott uh, you know, had a stop and smell the flowers, right? Literally. <laughs> Talked about how Highland Park neighborhood here in our backyard speaks to God's creation and beauty. And that, again, Scripture calls us to, 
to care for and care about. And even in an urban setting, creation care is a part of our calling as followers of Jesus. Uh, so we looked at that. And so this week, we saved the easiest one for last, the one that is just a, just a very simple topic, and that is the business of community, uh, which is not simple at all, as I found as I tried to put something together. So we'll find out if I came up with anything. But uh, come to find out, it's not a clear-cut chapter and verse type of thing in Scripture. Um, but we do at least have our, uh, our passage of Scripture that, that has been the theme verse for this series. And so far, I've only given the first half here. This is uh, John chapter 1, verse 14. This is just 14a. Uh, and then in a moment here, I'll give you the rest of the verse. So here's why we're doing this series, and here's why neighborhood matters, and why it should matter to us. But it says in the Gospel of John chapter 1, and today you're going to get the whole thing, it says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, but took his business elsewhere. Those not familiar with scripture, that's not how the verse goes. <laughs> those, uh, those very familiar with scripture, uh, yes, you should be dis- disturbed. I, I'm making up stuff. That's not what it says. And to state it that way, it sounds ridiculous. You know, to say, you know, the word became flesh and blood, moved in the neighborhood, but he took his business elsewhere. We're like, that's, you know, that's funny, Jason. You're crazy making up scripture. That, that always ends well. But the way we end the scripture is not always indistinguishable from that, right? That how we see our faith in terms of the business side of our neighborhood, do we even connect those two? Or do we divorce the one from the other? And so as I said, this was uh, not an easy topic to tackle because scripture doesn't have really clear verses about the business community. Now, it has wonderful proverbs about how to handle money and, you know, work hard, get up early, do a good job, you know, those things. It has principles of how we treat one another. All those are there. But there's no verse that says, thou shalt not, you know, shop at big box retailers, you know, know, and then Walmart, do not go there. Whether that's right or wrong, I'm not about to say just yet. Uh, you know, murder, you know, sleeping around with anything that moves. We got 10 of those things, but, but do, I, do, I, do I save money at one place or spend way too much because it's a mom and pop place or is there some way in between? And so I found myself coming back again and again to one of the formative scriptures for artists in church. We're still a relatively young crew, crew going into our fourth or fifth year here, depending on when you start counting. And there's a pastor scripture that really shaped our sense of how God would call us to be a neighborhood church. Uh, we might be in more than one neighborhood eventually, but what we didn't want to be is a regional church. We wanted to be a neighborhood church. And this verse spoke to that. And so let me just, Jeremiah the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29. I'll just start with verses uh, 4 through, through 6. And here, here are the echoes of what we've talked about these last few weeks in these verses. But Jeremiah is, in fact, speaking to a group of people who feel displaced, out of sorts. They're, they're not in their home. They've, you know, they're forced to be in a place that they might not otherwise choose. Which, for some, 
who are followers of Jesus, is, is a tension we feel at times. You know, our citizenship is in heaven, but our mailing address is, you know, <laughs> doesn't always seem to be the same thing. And there's a tension there, and, and how do we deal with that? Well, these folks were living in that tension. They were exiled, no longer in Jerusalem, now in Babylon. And Jeremiah had good news and bad news for them. The bad news was they weren't going back. Uh, they weren't going to be rescued out of there all of a sudden. But the good news was there was something they could do to make a difference where God was calling them. So here are these words from Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 6. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. Catch that nuance. Whom I have sent into exile. From Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. So just stop there for a moment. It has all the facets of what we've been talking about these last few weeks. And And it even takes a longer view than just the here and now. I love that it it speaks of having kids. But not only that, them having kids as well. And so you think about neighborhoods. It's not, you know, I'm going to live here a couple years, rent, go somewhere else, just passing through. But it's putting down real roots to the extent that you'd want that neighborhood to be a place for your grandkids, for those who are without you know, even a significant other right now, let alone a child, that may seem a crazy thought that you'd think in terms of, of a legacy for your grandchildren. Except that's what Scripture calls us to. But if we stopped right there at verse 6, it would be worthwhile things to do. If we built houses, planted gardens, had big families and grandkids and all that stuff, we'd be building a kingdom of sorts, right? It'd be the kingdom of Jason or, or the kingdom of Artisan or wouldn't necessarily be the kingdom of God. Because you could do all those things and never really bother to be a neighbor. And so verse 7 makes it clear, and I think is a great jumping off point for what we're going to talk about today, this business of community. In verse 7, in the the NRSV at least, it says buts. Whenever you see buts, you ought to pay attention. Because we just said, here's all the things you should do, buts. Here's the way you're going to screw it up if you don't pay attention to this. <laughs> it's usually the, uh, the shorthand of what but means. It says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Some of you may have a NIV Bible, New International Version, which... We tend to use the NRSV. It's, for lack of better description, it's a little more scholarly, but that also means it's sometimes less familiar, friendly language. NIV is a great Bible, especially for personal, devotional stuff. I like how the NIV says this a little differently because it makes it clear that this isn't just about let's you know, be all together and big hugs and love each other, you know, care for them, they'll care. It actually speaks to the issue of, of business, in the lifeblood of a community. And here's what it says in the NIV translation. Also, seek the peace and prosperity 
of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So there's a health and wealth gospel you don't often hear attached to, a, to, the, to the Christian church and faith. You know, it's not send me a $100 check. It's why don't you spend that check in your neighborhood? It's not, you know, give money to a ministry and then through some kind of magical spiritual exchange in the heavenlies, your $100 to, to me becomes 1000 for you. It's just saying something really simple. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city you're in. And you know what? You may find that peace and prosperity has a way of, of overflowing into your life as well. It's not a formula. I'm not making any promises here. Uh, but as Proverbs go, that's a pretty straightforward one, isn't it? So I could, and believe me, I have it in me, I could just yammer on now for the next 20, 25 minutes, acting as though this was far more complicated than it is, you know, and all the nuances of, of what, you know, what it means in the original Hebrew when it says uh, seek the welfare. In, in the Hebrew, it means um, their well-being. You know, I'll just, I'll make up other words that say the same thing. But maybe one of the reasons I had a difficult time finding great swaths of Scripture that said, you know, here's how you should shop, here's where you should spend your money, here's the way you should do business, the fact that it wasn't spelled out that way might be because this isn't terribly difficult on one hand. And on the other, there's so many different ways to apply these principles. If God said, don't shop at Walmart in the Scriptures, we would shop at Mart wall. You know, we'd come up with a way around that, right? It's the wall of Mart. We don't go with the Walmart because, well, it says in Scripture. Don't. Yeah. That is way too close to home for some of the ways we deal with Scripture, though, isn't it? We just, you know, yeah. anyway. So what I think would be more helpful is to hear from someone who's actually doing these things even better than I am, if you can believe such a thing. No, doing it far better than I am, so I think has far more credibility uh, to speak to what it means to be in a neighborhood not merely as a good neighbor, though that's a wonderful thing to be, but actually views their relationship with Christ, that they're trying to do life in the way of Jesus, as mattering to how they live in their neighborhood, including the business community. And so for some of us who are followers of Jesus, we maybe haven't connected those dots as well as we should. And for those here seeking and searching, figuring this out, you're probably wishing that some of this stuff actually mattered in everyday life because you want it to be true. Well, who knows? We may hit both those today. So Mark Ippolito, neighbor extraordinaire, why don't you come on up? And, uh, and I want you guys to hear from Mark. And, uh, and also he'll be speaking a little bit for, uh, for Dell, who did the confessional time, and, and, and uh, Gianna and Lily as well. But uh, Mark has... I get the tall stool because I'm I'm five seven. Well, in heels. No, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Uh, no, I'm five seven on my license. I think I'm five six and a half though. Mark here, you get the short stool. Uh, so sit up straight though. Mark, why don't you give us a, just a real brief background on why you and Dell moved into this particular neighborhood. And uh, again, what's your, your street address, times that you're not going to be there? If you could give us those details, we'd appreciate it. Um, it was about two years ago. Two, it was actually uh, three Julys ago that we moved into um, 
Swilberg. Um, we had previously lived on Long Island, and um, housing prices on Long Island were just are just still currently out of control. Um, so we decided on Rochester. I had interviewed for two jobs, which I did not get, but Rochester is a wonderful place where you can actually buy a house without a job. So we... Um, <laughs> That's our new motto, the mayor just said. <laughs> buy a house, no job required. <laughs> Rochester. So I remember looking at about six or seven houses in, in the local neighborhood, and the last house we had looked at um, was actually on Asbury Street. We live on Asbury Street, which is the street off of South Clinton near um, like Shiki, uh, the Japanese restaurant. And um, one of the arrangements up here was um, we only have one car. So Dell would keep the car, and I would have to make do. And that would be basically you know, finding a job in which I could either walk or take a bus to or both or figure out a figured a way how to do that, and we actually found 73 Asbury, and as soon as we found it, I said that this is a great place because there's so much around us, you know, in terms of shops, in terms of uh, neighbors, neighborhood look good, you know, parks for the kid to play at, so that's how we're here. So, so, so you had some motivation for, for moving there, but also, you know, as you and I have got to know each other the last couple of years, and and even as you're talking about this, uh, this particular series we're doing, you, you view your, your life there, that you have, you know, for lack of a better word, not to scare folks, a sense of calling that, that again, you're, you're citizens of heaven, but your address is 73 Asbury, and those have to connect somehow. So how do you view your, your role as a neighbor and even your responsibility as a follower of Christ to your neighbors and, and maybe start to, to tie it in even with the the business side of this neighborhood, too. So feel well, free before, to run with that. Before we had moved here, Del and I made really a list of what we value. And on the top of the list is um, being hospitable, being engaged in whatever community we'd be a part of. And being engaged in a neighborhood is quite easy, learning people's names and, um, you know, just looking out for people. Um, and that kind of morphed into something else. I mean, the... Engagement aspect of it is a part of the peace and prosperity of, of the place that we live in. And then actually, and this is my wife's expression who, who actually is really helpful with these things too, is seeking the shalom of the city, seeking the peace of the city. And that kind of, that sense of well-being in the neighborhood moved into sense of well-being being in the business community. So... I actually changed jobs, and now I'm actually right up the road on South Clinton uh, at Highland Family Medicine. And I would see all these businesses that I would walk every day. Because um, it's like a less than a 10-minute walk to work, <laughs> which, which um, is almost unheard of that people would walk to work, except it's really, there's ways of doing it, as you've, as you've shown. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. I, we really feel blessed, and as you say, we, we're call to the community. Um, I, haven't, I, I live in the community. I'm employed by the community. I worship in the community. What's the next piece of the puzzle? And the next piece of the puzzle actually is invest in the community. And it's not just um, doing good things. It's spending my money in the community and being as best as we can involved in the community in beds. So um, my role in the neighbor, as I said, has almost transformed as being almost a mini economic engine, you know, uh, keeping the money local, because there are, yeah. there are little businesses out there that really, um, 
I just don't want to see go 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 under. No one wants to. No one wants to live in a neighborhood that has abandoned storefronts or or places that shut down. So, what are some of the the very tangible ways you've uh, you've done that? And I'm sure uh, Gianna has helped you in that uh, that as well. But you even, uh, as you saw, we were doing this series. I don't know if it coincided with something you were thinking about, but you started to. Uh, to pay attention. It was, it was almost a spiritual self-examination about how you conduct business. You, you want to give some, uh, some of the tangibles of, of what that looked like? Well, when I saw that they were going to do a sermon series on this, you want to sit up here? when I saw that they were going to do a sermon series on this, I actually contacted Jason. And because of the involvement I was going through, and I was just writing on a piece of paper that um, my family and I did have done business with 21 vendors from where we live all the way up on South Clinton. And um, that's pretty, that's a lot. And that you've, you mentioned before to me that doesn't, doesn't necessarily count like stopping for gas or some, it's, no. it's. That's 21 vendors, I'm sorry, Jason. Yeah. Uh, 21 vendors without gas stations, Wilson yeah. Farms, and Dollar Tree. So, I mean, um, Um, so I also have about 10 more to go. So there's, there's people think this. And, this. and there's Gigi and Ming. Oh, oh what do you think of Ming's? Yeah. Another, another part of the thing, and my daughter mentioned Ming's, is we actually try and get to know the people that work there. So we, we I mean, Ming's is right around the corner, and it's the greatest Chinese food in Rochester, but, and they have, um, Kelly and Larry and Chicken Wing, um, who works the back. Now, um, Chicken Wing's I, I, I dare you to find the place that you don't want to do business with, with a guy named Chicken Wing, you know, chopping up vegetables in the back. Really now, I mean, if that's not enough, then what is? And there's also Mike and Wirewheel, and there's also uh, Joanne. Um, I remember walking home one day, and uh, Joanne actually owns a Highland Cinema. And she was talking with a LaChase construction consultant, and... Um, she stopped me and said, um, and here's a, here's, here's a resident that moved into the neighborhood just so he could walk to Highland Cinema. And I said, absolutely correct. I mean, where else are you going to see two movies for five bucks? So these things are extremely important to me, and uh, they, they'll always will be. Uh, so uh, what are some ways, and we're going to have some time for a little bit of Q&A uh, or if you guys have some thoughts yourselves, but uh, maybe as a, as a closing piece to, to this stuff, Mark, how would you challenge folks or, or encourage them? What do you think are some things that, that you would want those who are, who are members along with you of Artisan, because that's a subset here, or those who are here worshiping that are followers of Christ, what they might do, and just people in general, whatever their faith you know, story happens to be currently. What would you like to see them, them do in this area of, of neighborhood mattering and the business of community? One of the, fir- one of the first nights that we actually were, we lived on Rasbo, one of the first nights we moved here, we actually went for a walk. Del and I just decided, with Gianna decided to walk up and down the streets and see, you know, what's here? What, what, can, we, what can we do here? Um, um, what businesses were out here? And we actually made a pretty good list of, of restaurants and, and places that we could go to. So the easiest thing for anybody is 
leave the car at home. Just go for a walk, whether it's where you live, where you work, um, you know, if there's nothing around where you're, you know, where you go to, where your friends live, where your parents live, and just try and your grandparents live, and try and act as a, as an agent of engagement. Try and basically say, this is, you're here, and I'm here, and let's see if we can, um, perhaps, I can, you know, do some business locally, and keep the, keep the money local too. So, any questions about this stuff? Not that, uh, that Mark would claim to be an expert, but he's certainly a practitioner that has some credibility. Uh, I can think of ways that I'm trying to do this in my life, but Curious about some, some questions or comments. So, Sturz, what you... Absolutely not. No. Actually, um, the physical answer, physical answer on that probably is no, but I consider everybody in this room part of my family. Yeah. A follow-up. I can say something, and then Mark may as well. We're not uh, assuming that everyone here in this room is called to Rochester would be one, one partial answer to that. And so how God's shaped you, Sturs, and in, in your, uh, your artistry and creativity will certainly be part of your calling. Those, those will not be in conflict. There may be seasons where there's some, there's some you know, doing one thing that's important before you can do the other thing. So yeah, God may very well call you to another place, or he may work through you to do some of those things that you wish would, would be here as well. Uh, so I, I don't think there's a conflict spiritually about those issues, if that, you know, without going into, I don't know if there's more detail. Um, but, Jessica, back there? Uh, certainly, yes, thank you, for the, uh, for the parent crowd. I actually, one of our neighbors actually is a... Um, was a young artist, and he had moved away from Asbury, but um, he actually opened up, and, and to me, contemporary art might be Rocco or maybe Artisan Works. Um, I don't know to the extent of what you're looking for, um, and, and I'm learning something right now by saying, by, by you saying there's, no, there's not a big one here, um, it's, been, it's big enough for some people, I, I would guess, and that's what I would say. It's a nice start point, but again, I don't know um, how big you're looking for. There's not a, a, a place for them to, there's not good soil for that stuff to be rooted here. Yeah. Interesting. And I, I know Sturs, uh, 
I don't know how well, but <laughs> very well. And I know that, that he's, Mark's talking about doing business here. Sturz does that with, uh, with, with younger artists. You're now, your, your son's, well, kind of your son's schools in part because you're working there at Cobblestone doing stuff there, uh, which is fascinating. But uh, you do some stuff with RIT students. In those, so uh, one or two last ones about this idea of, of this business of community stuff. Is, it, is this really spiritual? Come on. Is this theological? Does this matter? One, or, one last one? Dell, do you have a question for Mark since you guys don't get to talk much except when you're here? <laughs> All right. Um, one of the things that I realized when we were thinking about the business of community is that there's a part that we as individuals play, and I think a lot of it is habit. Like, it's much easier for me to be like, oh, I'm just going to go to Target to get this and, and not really consider how I might walk down the street and figure out if I can get some of the things that I need. And, and it's been a challenge for us as a family as we decide to really plant some roots here to figure out how to meet our needs using the local store shops. And so I would say that the challenge to myself and to all of us really is to figure out how to do that, um, how to meet our needs locally, and, and to see it as a, as a challenge because our habits um, are, are kind of shaped by using our cars a lot and shaped by using convenience and shaped by the cheapest price for something. And we don't make a lot of money, but that's meant that we've sometimes had to have less of something just so that we could do business locally. Thank you. Well, so that's good to hear from uh, so Del, Mark, there's Gianna, and Lili is, uh, is floating around back there. But let's, uh, let's thank those guys for, uh, for sharing that stuff. And so uh, so I've, uh, you know, tried to do that in, in my family's life, and, and even as a representative, not merely of Jesus, well, merely, I have those in the wrong order, I'm a representative of Christ, but also here of artisans, one of the pastors. And so, you know, I found myself thinking about when I meet with folks and, uh, and where we meet. And so a shift I've made recently, kind of previous to that, uh, you know, Boulder Coffee, great place. But then, which is right here in South Clinton, then there's the Muddy Waters that came in right here in the corner, uh, which is fair trade, organic, all that, all that great stuff as well. And so I've been using that as a meeting point. Not only so I can get to know the owners and the folks who do stuff there, but so that we can be part of this neighborhood. Just a simple thing. So here's what I want to do with, with you guys. Uh, as I said, this is a rather straightforward stuff. Um, but just because it's straightforward doesn't mean it's easy. So as I've affectionately called it, I'm going to give you the Ippolito Challenge. So you guys ready for the Ippolito Challenge? Here's what I want you to do first. If you have a bulletin... Uh, I just want you to jot down a few things uh, for yourself. Otherwise, make a mental list or put on your iPhone or, or somehow capture this. But would you just reflect on the last, you know, three or so weeks of your life and list three to five places where you did business? That's all it is. Could have been brick and mortar online. It could have been local or not. Just three to five places since this series started that you've done business, where you've spent your money, 
Because I suspect there's some ways you've spent your money that you didn't really think of it as a business transaction because either it was so second nature or convenient or just blowing through a place. Three to five places you have spent your money, done business. And then ask yourself this one question as you look at that list. How did those transactions bless your neighborhood? Oh, I just got kind of meddlesome, right? That's the, oh. No, he didn't. Two for one sale, I'll cut coupons and spend money where I want to. You know, <laughs> we do that, right? Tell me I can't shop at Walmart when it's, you know, I can get a gallon of pickles for a dollar. Um, <laughs> or I can buy them at the farmer's market, four for a dollar. Not four pickles, I suppose I so too. But they're actually that much better than the gallon, you know. So, so answer that question for yourself. How did those transactions Bless your neighborhood. And if, like me, there's a pang of guilt, you know, just feel that for a moment. I'm not talking about shame. You know, at least the way I define shame, that's, that's, I'm a horrible person, there's nothing I can do about it, you know, I might as well die. Or, you know, why even try? That's, I'm not talking about shame. Guilt, on the other hand, I'm not above that motivating me or, or, or even you. Uh, because guilt is often, the best sense is, I knew better could have done better, and I didn't. I should feel a little guilty about that. And it also says, now there's a chance to fix that and make a difference. So if you feel a little guilty, like I do, that's not a horrible emotion. But let it motivate you to be unguilty, (laughs) to fix those things. And so what could you do? Look at that list, and somewhat as Mark and Dell gave some of their own suggestions, Think of one of them that you can replace with a neighborhood option. There's a good chance it won't actually cost any more money, but even if it does, just think. So I went and shopped here. Could I have done this in walking distance? I bought this online. Could I have actually maybe bought it online from a local place, you know, if that's your thing? And I suspect if we pay attention and actually start thinking about the way we do business as a matter of faith, because I suspect few of us actually connect those dots, that if we think how we spend our money and how we invest in a neighborhood is a theological issue, that will change our behaviors. It'll also change how we're neighbors to other people. And so I loved how Mark said he had thought about, you know, being neighbors to the person next door, working in the neighborhood, and then what was that missing piece? Doing business there as well. And so that's a challenge. But what's nice about this challenge, maybe it doesn't feel real spiritual, which could be our issue, but maybe you can't, you know, Get over your anger issue very easily. You know, stop kicking your dog, quit smoking, whatever. But this one, you can actually do this week. You can get a small win under your belt. 
just by buying a donut, you know, from a local place, you know. Like, I'm, I'm buying this donut for 10 cents more for the love of Jesus and my neighbor, you know, and just eat it with a big smile on your face, knowing that there'll be no physical consequences because you did it for godly reasons. No, there's, there'll still be consequences. Um, but, you know, you will take that suffering upon yourself um, as Christ on the cross. No, that's really not the same thing, but do those things. Think of this stuff more deeply. Neighborhoods matter. They matter to God, who took on flesh and blood. We should do that as well. Let's pray. So, God, we do thank you that that your calling on our lives is incredibly practical. That it's not all ethereal, wispy spirituality. But it is a flesh and blood faith you call us to live out. And that actually means putting our money where our mouths are. Living in a neighborhood, not just taking our business elsewhere. And so remind us that those are deeply spiritual issues. That the choices we make in our neighborhoods and with where we do business impact our spirit, impact the spirit of those around us, impact that kind of undefined community spirit, that collective sense of the peace and prosperity, the shalom, that wonderful Old Testament word of, of that encompassing wholeness that the kingdom of God represents. Call us to do those things in the simplest of ways, to not make it all complicated, to not come up with excuses, but to just make small choices and to be faithful in those little things. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, each week we give an opportunity to continue responding to God's word. And this week, you know, that, that was a different kind of message, wasn't it? Did anyone else feel like that wasn't, that wasn't real spiritual feeling? Like, which again, may be an issue we have. But if you're looking for spiritual, one of the reasons we do communion every week is that's the one thing we want to get right, <laughs> the sacrifice Christ made on our behalf. And I want to be clear, I don't think we can do this stuff for any lasting way apart from the grace Christ gives us. I think we can be good people for a very short amount of time before that wears thin Without Christ's grace and forgiveness, you know, it's not going to last. So that's behind all of what I hope we've said these last few weeks. So if you're seeking to follow after Jesus, approaching his table of grace is a wonderful way to nourish that journey or even take a first step of faith. And to be reminded as you tear a piece of bread, that element, that sacrament of his body, broken for us, and dip it in the wine of the juice, that sacrament of his shed blood. Remember that when the word became flesh and blood, it became very vulnerable. He made an offer, and we refused it. We 
took our business elsewhere. But he came back, rose again, and said, I'm still here. You can't get rid of me that easily. And so I hope you do the practical, businessy stuff, care for creation, be concerned with diversity. But I hope you do business with Jesus first, because that'll make all the difference in those as well. So let me pray one more time, and then let's continue worshiping. So God, we also thank you that we don't have to take on these challenges, small or large, in our own strength, because that is a recipe for disaster. That even though we're fallen and rebellious and kind of stupid at times, um, you lift us up, you bring forgiveness, you give us your wisdom beyond what we could have on our own. And you do that through the sacrifice and new life in Christ that Jesus brings. And so as we go to the table, those who choose to, nourish us in that so that all these practical things that we choose to do will flow from a place of grace, not from just more work for us to put on our plate. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your table. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. For it's only in your name that these things are made real. Amen. The table is open. Worship as God leads you. This has been the Artisan Church Podcast. To receive future podcasts, go to www.artisanchurch.com/podcast or subscribe on iTunes. Thank you for listening.